The England Woodland Creation Offer from DEFRA and the Forestry Commission is now available. If you're a farmer or land manager, you could receive over £10,000 for every hectare of woodland you create. And you don't need to take your best agricultural land out of use. Because when you plant trees, you plant the future. You plant a legacy which rewards you now and for generations to come. Put down roots. Visit gov.uk slash woodlandcreation. England only. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Over the Farm Gate, brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm FG Editor Ben Briggs, and in this week's pod I'm speaking to Simon Haley and Andy Venables, the brains behind Cultivate 2022, which is a farm business growth conference being held in Cheshire on May the 18th. First held in 2020, last year's event was one of the many cancellations brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. But the event is back this year and Farmers Guardian is delighted to once again be media partners for Cultivate. And while the conference has garnered huge interest, there is a great story to be had in how Andy and Simon's business partnership and desire to put on something different in the rural leadership space led them down the route of organising Cultivate. Here, the pair tell me where the idea came from and how the conference fits in with the ever-changing landscape of UK agriculture. Good morning, Simon uh, and Andy. Um, we're here on the uh, Over the Farmgate podcast to talk about Cultivate 2022, but I just thought for the sake of our listeners, um, if both of you could uh, just do a bit of a quick introduction as to, to who you are and what your day jobs are as well. So, Simon, I'll start with you. Uh, so, I'm a rural business advisor. I've been managing my own consultancy company for the past decade, mainly advising and assisting with grant applications and business appraisals, but I also have a separate carbon auditing uh, and net zero uh, company as well. Morning, Ben. So uh, I'm Andy Venables. I'm managing director of Hills Green. So we're a, um, a marketing business that is supporting agriculture very much keen to um, help agriculture flourish and grow. So whether that's businesses looking to support farmers or farmers with their diversification projects and, and launching a, a new brand, then then we're helping those sorts of guys. And, and alongside this business, um, we, uh, we run the Cultivate Conference and also have a, a 330 cow dairy farm in Cheshire. So you're not doing much then, Andy? Right? No, no, no. Uh, I've got three kids as well that try and fit them in when I can. <laughs> Neither of us, I think, can be accused of twiddling our fingers anyway or thumbs. I was just wondering, you've obviously both got separate businesses, but you, you've come together to, to kind of, uh, you put Cultivate on a couple of years ago and then the, the pandemic intervened. But I was just wondering, you know, what was the impetus and what was the driver behind uh, Cultivate and, and what are you hoping to, to get from this May's event as well? Well, I'll I'll answer the first bit and then I'll pass over to Andy for the second part of the question. So the, the, the honest answer is we were put in touch by a mutual contact who we both knew individually um, and, and, and quite well, you know, someone within the industry um, who said, do you know what? Have you ever heard of so-and-so? Have you ever met him? Have you had a chat with him? You two would get on well. I think that was the that was the phrase I always remember. You two would get on well. Now, whether we just thought we'd get on well over a coffee and didn't actually think you'd get on well in setting up a new business together. But the the ethos behind it was that we both realised we had a passion for the same thing, which was we are in a professional advisory capacity 
whether it's with a marketing focus, whether it's with a business development focus. But at the end of the day, we're trying to help British agriculture be the best it can be. That's very subjective for the different farms and rural businesses out there. But that's the fundamental ethos of Cultivate in that you're taking time out from the day job to clear your head, have different experiences, have different influences and can actually think about how we can progress and make a plan and actually realistically get there. So fundamentally, it was a mutual contact who said, you two should chat, practice a bit of collaboration. And uh, like we say, we, 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 we took that and ran with it to the max. Um, and uh, and the, the problem for both of us, Ben, is we're both from the same, we're both from the same side of the coin. So we'll just big each other up and convince <laughs> ourselves any idea is the best idea in the world. But sometimes you need that. Um, in the early days to say, is this idea viable? Is it a good idea? Do you know what? Why don't we just give it a try? Yeah, and I think um, what Simon just said there in terms of collaboration, that's key. Um, And I think it's actually what the wider agricultural industry should be doing at the minute. Um, You know, there is a a movement at the minute to push people to to go out of meat and and go, you know, plant-based and, you know, we're not getting our message across when it comes to this healthy, nutritious, local food that we produce on this island. Um, so rather than the, the infighting with, within agriculture, it's so important that we try and come together, collaborate and really sing with a one voice. And I think you're exactly right. And I think that uh, part of that marketing message around kind of, you know, whether it's grass fed beef and lamb or, uh, you know, the credentials in terms of welfare that we have around the dairy industry, they're absolutely, they really should be a marketeer's dream, shouldn't they? But we don't necessarily uh, get them out to, to the best of our ability. And I think that's, um, I think that's a frustration. Um, when I attended the uh, Cultivate conference, it was, you know, for me at the time, it was, you know, it was a, it was a day out of, of, of my usual routine and I found it I was really invigorated by it and I'm not just saying that because Farmers Guardian's a media partner I think taking that time out from from your usual workload to go to something like that um, was really important but what are your um, views on whether farmers do that enough and whether as an industry we, we ever step away really from the grind enough to give ourselves that headspace? Well the the simple answer is we don't um, you know, I had a career outside agriculture before coming back to the farm and setting up Hills Green. Um, I worked for seven years in Manchester and I was very lucky to spend a lot of time going to, you know, business conferences, leadership conferences and almost having that time to, you know, focus on yourself and, and, and your own sort of CPD and, and, and understanding how, how to grow a business and manage people. Um, within agriculture, there's a lot of almost science-based conferences or trade shows or, or more like the county show, but there was nothing really that was focused on business and leadership. And whether you're working with just family members on the farm or you're employing one staff or, or, or 20 members of staff, that whole skill set around um, managing a team, leading a business has never been taught to these people. And it's it's so important that you know we bring some prof- professionalism to agriculture, and that farmers embrace and see the opportunity by coming to an event like Cultivate. Yeah, and, and you know we know Ben that there's still that kind of attitude within the industry that 
you know, taking a holiday is frowned on in some quarters. You know, why do you need to leave the farm to take a holiday? You know, if we're asking people to take a day out of their business, that's a day that, okay, they're not working, you know, um, in a business like the, the, the two of us run where you can cost it and say that's a day rate and, and it's the time you're not spending as well on the farm. You have to add that up. Because it was new two years ago and it was out of people's comfort zones, how did we get 270 people there? It's through that trust network because they were invited by their vet, their accountant, their bank manager, or someone else said to them, you will not regret turning up to this. Take your mind, not just your body, take your mind off the farm, sit in a room full of people involved in farming, but actually the speakers are going to talk to you about wider concepts. They're going to challenge you about delegation. They're going to challenge you about concepts of leadership. And the feedback we had was was fantastic. Over Obviously, the pandemic curtailed it happening in January 2021. But we had such a good reaction to it. And, and the fundamental aspect, like Andy said, is it's actually focusing on the person rather than just anything too scientific or technical to one specific sector. That's where our main message is about it's a day to work on yourself as well as your business. I mean, for a, for an event that was focused on the agri and rural sector, we had a full morning of speakers where we didn't talk about farming. We talked purely about business and leadership and yourself. And I think, you know, that 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 tone said it all. You know, the people that were in the room had that farming and rural connection. Like-minded people sat on tables. I mean, the the room was buzzing. You know, imagine again, group of farmers together. They love a they love a good chinwag. But we had a biz, uh, a business conference there where we didn't talk about farming. And I I think one of the things from that inaugural conference, uh, I remember in in the morning, one of the the takeaway messages was really. You know, if you're not happy in what you're doing, then you know you're probably you're probably doing the wrong thing, and it, it it's you know it's incumbent upon you to to either change it in the role you're in, or or maybe even bite the bullet and and look for look for something else. But um, how important do you think that investment in ourselves as as managers as business leaders is in this as we kind of slowly emerge, fingers crossed, from from the pandemic because. You know that was in a in a pre pandemic time, and I think two years on actually, it might be even more crucial to invest in yourselves. But but what's your, per, uh, your perspective on that? Yeah, spot spot on in terms of investing in yourself. I think one of the one of the messages that will come out months down the line, Ben, when we when society acknowledges decisions that have been made through the pandemic, is that importance of mental resilience and how you react to change. We're trying to give people tools, different concepts, different approaches to managing change. Now, you take farming as an industry in its own right. It has to be um, proactive rather than reactive to change, in, in our opinion. Change is an absolute constant. On one side of the coin, you've got the worst six words in farming, which is, we've always done it this way. So you think, well, that's not really a strategy to, to dealing with the agricultural transition period, especially when you think the only certainty that we have in the industry at the moment is that there is complete uncertainty. You know, I keep saying, Elms is talked about and, you know, you'll see it um, across the press and across various messages and blog posts coming out from DEFRA. But fundamentally, that is only from 2025 onwards. Well, 
we have to have a general election in May 24. Who would who would want to make a decent bet looking forwards based on the past five, six years of politics? Um, so then you think, well, if, if, if all we've got, just looking at the BPS reductions as an example, is we absolutely know, know what's happening to 2024, but not beyond then. That's, to me, just complete madness that you've built this business up over decades. You've got millions of pounds on your balance sheet. You've got a large turnover, large staffing requirements, loads of things happening where, you know, you have to be a scientist as well as an electrician, as well as a business person. You know, farmers have to be all of those jobs. And yet the only thing that government can say to them at the moment is we're guaranteeing you something for the next three years, but with a sour taste in that there's going to be reductions and uncertainty. So if you can't have personal resilience, Ben, how are you going to hope that your business by extension has that as well? Because farming is a way of life. You work where you live and you live to work. And it's more like five to nine, not nine to five. So as a driving agenda for this year's conference, having change, change management and resilience within that as the core approach is running through the morning speaker and also the afternoon case studies, we thought was 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 the obvious thing to look at. Yeah, and I think just touching on that, the whole point on resilience, you know, and you, and you mentioned about investing in yourself and there's a lot of people that go into farming because they they feel either pressured to do it or it's the right thing to do by the by the family but it isn't actually what they love and, and really want to want to do and to have that resilience and to keep going with all of this uncertainty you really have to love what you what you want what you're doing and I think you know it came back to me working out of the industry for a number of years and then before coming back to the farm it it encouraged a family meeting and we had to be really clear on if we if we all want this this farm business to survive it isn't going to survive by me literally just slipping into my dad's wellies and carrying on running the business how he's run it because i can milk cows and drive tractors but it's probably best said that it's not my biggest strength um and, and what i am really passionate about is is agriculture and and and, and marketing of 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 this this great industry so how can we combine the two so we set up a separate business um and and that now gives us the the opportunity to employ a, a farm manager and, and continue that family business but it means that all of the stuff we're doing and, and I, like, like with simon it doesn't feel like work because we love what we do and it is so important that people should question and think about do i love what i do every whatever you're in you have your good days and your bad days but do you love what you do yeah, and I think that's uh, that's a key thing, isn't it? I, I think during the the pandemic and like we've worked from home at Farmers Guardian, and I and I've genuinely felt very blessed to have the job that I do actually. Um, and um, you, you might have career aspirations, you might you might look to to what the next step is, but actually, if you're in that moment and you enjoy what you do, I think that uh, I think that's so important. Do you grow maize and want to maximise your crop performance this year? Well. Help is at hand. Just download the LG Maze Manager app. It will help you find the best varieties for your farm that maximise energy yield to improve feed performance. The app features a brand new LG Animal Nutrition section, which highlights the potential savings that could be made by switching to a maize variety with superior nutritional qualities. These LG AM varieties provide a simple and cost-effective way for you to increase feed efficiency 
and reduce costs. Find out more by downloading Maze Manager for free today. And it's interesting you talk. I, I'm I'm the same. I grew up on a, a a dairy farm, but I you know if you ask me to reverse a tractor and trailer, I'm the black sheep of the family in the sense I can't do it. So, um, and I always I always remember my dad's uh, disgust at that. But um, what's your perception of that multi generational? Uh, mindset that we have in agriculture and would we actually be better served in thinking you know so many farms um, try and gear up for the next generation to take over and there is almost that pressure we almost identify too much as farmers that's too much of our own identity would we be better as an industry moving away from that and becoming a bit more business-minded my um my my feeling on that being a little bit um uh, less involved day to day with the farming um ben is you know go back to some of those defra figures those defra statistics that are out there at the moment and the 2020 2021 figures so prior to the reduction of the basic payment scheme payments showed that 10% at least of every single farming type there is in this country even after the receipt of subsidy, stewardship and or diversification, still couldn't make money. So at least 10% of every farming type is running at a loss. Now, surely that is just staring us in the face that by definition, 10% really either need assistance or haven't haven't got the skill sets or don't treat their farm or horticultural enterprise like a business. Now, I'm being very black and white and blunt about it because there's many other reasons why you might want to make a loss, you know, viability, um, whether it's for tax reasons, whether it's because the, the sole objective is I just want to do what I'm doing and be here next year and it doesn't really matter whether I make a profit or not. But black and white does the industry actually talk about itself as a business fundamentally? Or do we just say, oh, it's just the family farm? So, you know, I was always say quite provocatively in different talks I give, if you're running around 16, 18 hours a day, your BPS payment is worth more than what's on your annual accounts. It's not a business, it's just busyness. You, you know, you're kidding yourself. But part of the reason of us trying to put something like Cultivate on and having a good reaction first time and having the demand where we've sold out within a month again um, um, uh, for this for this second event is that you've got 270, 300 people in the room, Ben, who are all of the same mentality. We've not got any naysayers. We've not got anyone who's been dragged kicking or screaming there. They've all got some kind of entrepreneurial or business mentality, whether they would actually acknowledge that in person but if they all sat there and thought why am I here they're all there for a particular reason and so that's what we've got to run with and go that's a great base that's a great sentiment people are willing to sit in this room and learn for a full day to take in experiences from other people and for me that's what business is about learning and listening and taking those experiences on and then thinking how they apply to the farm, to your own business back at home? I think just to add to that, if it, if it could give any farm business uh, a bit of advice, given there's so much change going on at the minute, is is don't bury your head in the sand. You know, we, we, we see, you know, the challenges in mental health across all industries, you know, and it, 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 it's rife within agriculture. 
And we, we need to have those difficult conversations, whether family members, loved ones or whatever, in terms of, is this business going to support our immediate family in the future, let alone thinking about, um, you know, succession? Is it what we want to do? And, and if not, look at the different options, um, because it's far better having those difficult conversations now than when you're in a lot of debt. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of the real challenges in agriculture, isn't it? And uh, I I think that that issue of mental resilience is a big one. But I think um, culturally within farming, we we struggle really to admit that there's weakness there. Uh, and one of the ways that I've seen a lot of people, I've seen it in my own family. One of the ways people deal with that kind of that stress or that kind of um, you know that pressure on a business is to simply work harder. And actually, that can be to a real physical detriment and a mental health detriment at the end of the day and then the business as well goes by the wayside because actually I think you're right Simon you, you're being you're being busy fools really because you're continuing with something that isn't working you're not stepping away from it you're not assessing it and you're not having those tough conversations and I think it's uh, um, it's a bit of a vicious circle in, in agriculture in particular um, but it's hard, it's, to, it's hard to hear, Ben. It's hard to hear and it's hard to say to people as well that actually you could just sit round the kitchen table and drink as many cups of tea your body can, can consume. And and even if you, you, know, you don't have to rent the land out, just sit there and take the BPS payment and any stewardship payment. Don't do any actual farming at all. And I can guarantee for a vast proportion of businesses that their annual accounts would return a better figure. That is completely blunt and a really hard message to get across because, you know, what's the point? You know, I'm doing it for the love of the livestock. I'm doing it because I enjoy getting involved and learning around the soil health and how I can maintain this farm and pass it on to future generations. But the point of Cultivate as a conference is actually saying, you know, talking about these things isn't the issue if we're worried about talking about it you know that's well what do you actually think is going to happen when we need to make the decision you know so raising it having a chat about it getting it out in the open is a good first step doesn't mean something's going to happen the next day or drastically change but we need to have those conversations and sometimes it is the fact of sitting in a room with nearly 300 other people from across the industry and looking round and going, well, no one, no one else is reacting in a negative way. No one's running out the room because they didn't want to hear it. We're sat there listening and then you make your own decision off the back of it. But raising those topics as conversation and the more difficult in the sense of this conference, the better, because we feel it's something that, that needs to be said, which is why the conference isn't focused in a technical sense on one enterprise or, 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 or that respect, it's focused on that personal and business resilience. And, and so who, um, for this year's conference, obviously taking place in, in May, um, you know, you had to postpone it from, from January uh, because of the pandemic. And obviously it must be a nerve wracking time for you to just before Christmas to make that decision. But um, can you just give us a bit of a, an overview of who the speakers are going to be at this year's event and uh, and what you hope really they're going to bring to it? Yeah, no problem. I mean, yeah, it was a bit frantic uh, leading into Christmas, not knowing what lockdown position we would be in. Is it the right thing to do to try and get a conference off the ground in, in January? But 
we adapted, we made difficult decisions and um, yeah, I suppose it's what farmers are having to do day in, day out in terms of, um, you know, adapting to change. Um, you know, in, in hindsight, it's definitely been the right decision um, and we look forward to putting it on in May. But what we've gone for, as Simon said, is we've got a, a business speaker called Marcus Childs. He is going to be speaking on um, adapting to change and, and looking at um, putting together you know, a, a business plan fit for the future. So I think that's, um, you know, going to be really well timed given the two years that we've had. Uh, we've then got a lady called Rosie Brown, who is the CEO of Cook. So they're a frozen food company. You may well have seen their their products in, in some of the farm shops and they've also got some some retail stores on the high street. They're, um, they've got a really interesting business that's grown um, dramatically over the years. Um, and they're keen to build that relationship with their supply chain and, and farmers. And, and, and that's why she's keen to come to speak at Cultivate and talk about their story and how, how, how their family business grew. And then we've got a, a guy called uh, Wilfred Emmanuel Jones. Um, he is famous for starting uh, the brand The Black Farmer. Um, really interesting story uh, talking about uh, growing up in, in Birmingham and um, almost having this ambition to, to own his own farm. So he's going to talk through, you know, the trials and, and tribulations of um, uh, of doing that. And uh, he has achieved it. He owns his own farm and he owns a, a brand, The Black Farmer. So um, having this this whole day focused on change uh, and then hearing from you know business speakers and um and sort of people that have been there and done that um should hopefully inspire people and we do have a uh, a, a speaker that we we're keeping uh, our cards close to the chest and chest on but um uh, a, a lady that will uh, will definitely the f- finish the conference off with uh, full of motivation and, and as she tells her story but um we're going to keep that one to ourselves for now yeah, and that that lineup, Ben. You know, we have responded to feedback from the first event. You were there yourself. We had two cracking, really good business speakers in the morning, um, and then we trying to do like a bit of a roundtable discussion amongst delegates in the afternoon, followed by some case study entrepreneurial speakers. Based on the feedback, and people said they really enjoyed the table discussion, but they wanted more time to go through it. They wanted to be more open and honest and transparent in sharing stuff. And if that was, they could stay on the table of colleagues or guests or attendees they'd come with, they'd prefer that. So we've actually given the whole morning to Marcus Child. And within that, he will incorporate a table discussion. It will have the audience participation. And then the afternoon is more about hearing from others, going, if they can do it, maybe I could as well. And then as Andy said, finishing on a high that people are hopefully not literally but flying back up or down the motorway thinking wow i'm ready to take over the world why why attend if, if you can't go back from a conference with that type of feeling you know and that will be our measure of success ben for the following year or what might happen between the between the annual events you know if we go back to a january a january date again how do we keep that motivation going how do we keep that attitude and those levels high so we've got other ideas um and you know we're excited to share a couple of them in may as well 
but we think it's a really, really strong lineup of, of speakers um, and content. And, you know, we're thrilled that we've got the opportunity to put it on again. You know, Andy and I were, were, were very much 100% of the same opinion. You know, look, how do we deal with change and COVID and the fact we can't do it in January 2022? Actually, we'd prefer to push it down the line to still give people the opportunity to attend rather than wait another year and you know, I'm being completely honest, it might change after this day because people have still got until the end of the month to, to get their refund requests in. But when that email went out before Christmas, there's not actually been anyone who's replied saying they don't they don't now want to come. So that's really that's really um it gives us, you know, a lot of a lot of confidence anyway. No, I think it's really positive and uh, I'm and I'm really looking forward to the event as well. So let's hope there's no unforeseen um <laughs> spikes in the pandemic between now and then just before we finish we you know we, we we're talking about cultivate being being something which is important as we invest in ourselves and and that's looking forward but i just wanted to ask you to and put you two on the spot really just to ask you what your coping mechanisms are you know you're both busy people you both got businesses and families um, you know for me at, at fg if i'm if i ever need a bit of headspace and genuinely making the time, go for a walk, you know, either around where I live or disappear up a fell in the Lake District is so important for me because it allows me to kind of process, it allows me to get on top of things and I can genuinely feel refreshed. Now, I have a bit of working class guilt in that, thinking that that's not time well spent, but I've kind of overcome that as as time has gone on. Um, but, But for you two, you know what? What are your mechanisms for for dealing with with what are very busy lives and businesses? So, so I'll answer first. So that so the easy answer is, um, I've got a dog, and if I didn't have a dog, I probably wouldn't go out on walks. Um, it's you know it's the very blunt answer. Um, I'd probably think you know I, I could do something better with the time, but the dog needs to be walked, and when I'm out, I always every single time say. Yeah, I'm glad I came out on this walk today. And then, and then you end up spending more than you thought. Oh, a 10-minute walk becomes a 40-minute walk and you've got that headspace. But if I'm being super critical about myself and my personal development, um, um, and as sad as this sounds, my hobby is working as well. I, I, you know, I quite enjoy uh, going um, and sitting in front of the computer in the evening, even though I probably shouldn't, my wife tells me more often than not that I should do you ever just sit there and do nothing Simon I mean like what do you mean do nothing well you know I I, I can't do nothing I didn't surely you want me to do something but a few years ago it was getting to the point where I was convinced I could take over the world just by me and myself and I didn't need anyone and if you want cultivate is that perfect example that is 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 in practice of well, I couldn't do this event on my own. You know, I need someone else who's got the same thinking. And beyond that, I've now got three businesses. I can't do that on my own. I need a wider team. So within that team, there's nearly 15 people across those three businesses now. Um, and then Andy's got, um, you know, his own staff under under that Hills Green banner as well. And it's having that right culture fit. So how do I cope? It's by having the best team around me that know what my quirks are, know what my failings are, indulge that, but then support me and my goals to try and get to where I want to. But, I, you know, I've I've had to learn the hard way. I can't do it on my own. 
Um, but the easy answer, if you want to edit this podcast, is I go for a walk with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else I can say now, but um, I'm sure you were reading my notes. Um, I, I've got two things. I go for a run twice a week. That is like sacrosanct. It is critical that I go and do it, um, even when I feel I don't want to. I don't think I've got much on my mind. After an hour's running, I realise that I have. Um, and it is just, it's my time. Um, and then surround yourself by good people, you know, just in terms of, for the business sake, but I don't know, I've got a good, bad, dry sense of humour, whatever you want to say. And um, I just get quite a lot of enjoyment by people taking the mick out of me and being surrounded by good people. So um, that that keeps my, my spirits up. And, and just recently I've got into podcasts um really really enjoy just actually zoning out and and listening to other people's stories so um that's how i try and look after me and i think in uh it's probably not uh, i don't know whether it's politically correct or not or whether we should be pushing it but i think the pub for me is always a good one as well a pint uh, a pint on a friday is uh is always a good thing definitely i'd I'd agree with Um, that uh that (laughs) Well, Simon and Andy, thank you very much um, for your time uh, on Over the Farm Gate um, with Farmers Guardian and, and best of luck for the conference in May. Just for those people that weren't able to attend uh, in 2020 or haven't got tickets for this year, if they go to cultivateconference.co.uk, all of the videos from 2020 are up there. So please feel free to, to go and check them out. A huge thanks to Simon and Andy for their time. This year's Cultivate Conference has a waiting list for tickets and more information can be found at cultivateconference.co.uk Well, that's it for this week's edition of Over the Farm Gate. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platform and thanks again for listening. Listening.